You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. According to NAPLAN, only 25% of Indigenous students in remote Australia meet the minimum standard for reading and writing, compared to 90% of non-Indigenous students. The Indigenous Literacy Foundation, or ILF, works with 230 remote Indigenous communities on early literacy programs for kids under five. It also publishes Indigenous stories from these communities, many in the local language. Today is Indigenous Literacy Day and the ILF is launching the Yakanara Songbook Around Australia. It's a collection of songs in Walmajari language and English, illustrated by children from the Yakanara Community School. Hi, my name is Saleh Bembi and I am 14 years of age and my favourite song from the book is Gowarnia. That's Crocodile. My name is Anel Mura. I am 10 years of age and my favourite song is the Lumbra, the Blue Tongue Lizard. I did uh, the landscape of Yakanara in the hills. I like to to draw the um, the Lumbra Lizard. Author and all-round legend Alison Lester worked with the kids on the project and she's also an ambassador for the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. I spoke to her at the Sydney Opera House and began by asking how the Yakanara Songbook came about. I think it was the year before last um, I was invited to go to Yakanara. I'd actually been there a couple of years earlier making books with the kids and um, the ILF asked if I would go back and help the kids illustrate a songbook that um, two of the elders who worked at the school had, had started off in the 80s and 90s. They'd, they'd written songs in Walmajari and put them to well-known tunes like Old MacDonald Had a Farm so the kids could actually keep their language and learn their language. And looking back, that was such an important thing to do. Like it was really, there's a lot of places where language has really disappeared because they're not allowed to use it in school and it hasn't been used. So this was a fabulous thing to do. So I jumped at the chance to go back because I really loved it. I'd had a beautiful time with the community last time. Um, So Chris Aitken came and he recorded, he sang the songs and recorded them. And um, I took a lovely bunch of art supplies, beautiful watercolour paper and watercolour paints and lots of different techniques with the kids and um, sat down and illustrated. The books were only there for a week and when I worked with them, I really encouraged them to look at their country and not... So often when you're working with kids, if they draw a tree, it's like a round circle that's got a straight brown trunk. So we went outside and looked at the trees and looked at the mountains and the stuff they came up with was really beautiful and fresh and reflective of what their world was like. I think a lot of people might be surprised to hear that the children need to learn their own language again because it's disappearing. What was it like for you to kind of watch that experience for the children? Um, Well, I guess most of these kids were still speaking their language, so a lot because of these ladies who were at the school who who kept it up and and because Yakanara is an independent little community away. Most of the people who founded Yakanara, I think in the 80s, would have come down from Fitzroy Crossing, so... 
they, they got back to the place where they did speak their language all the time. But um, it's, I, I just love hearing people talk in language, even though I don't understand it. It just feels very right. I was recently just out at a, um, a place called Punmu in the, on the other end of the Great Sandy Desert and listened to one of the elders who hadn't seen white people until he was a teenager tell a traditional story to the school kids, and it felt like a very, very special thing to hear. But working out there with the kids and, and seeing them work in language, I think it's it's such a fundamental thing that it's easier to learn in your first language. And for a long time we've been expecting Indigenous kids to learn to read in English, where it's often their second or even their third language. So it's very, very difficult. So I think it's a real step in the right direction to be publishing some books that are in language. It is, of course, Indigenous Literacy Day today. Why is this such a, an important thing for you to do, Alison? Um, well, I guess I feel really passionately about all kids getting a fair go, and, um, and they don't. Like, I spend a lot of time working in schools all around Australia, and the situation kids are born into has so much to do with how they're going to end up. And if, if you're a child who's born in a low socioeconomic place, and especially in a remote community, your chances of getting ahead are pretty slim but if you can learn to read especially if you can learn to love to read life is probably going to turn out okay like it seems a ridiculously simple thing but that's how it is if you if you can read so you can negotiate your way through the world and get all those other ideas from all over the world it's um it's it's going to happen but if it doesn't um your life is going to be pretty grim you're listening to Kindling Conversation and I am speaking with author Alison Lester. It's Indigenous Literacy Day and we're talking about, we started talking about the latest book that Alison has worked with kids in community on called the Yakanara Songbook. The other part about this, of course, is the books that you produce out in country are also ones that will come back to children who, who possibly don't know any Indigenous kids. Do you see this as also a kind of bridge between cultures? I think it's hugely important, yeah. A few years ago we um, did a book in the Tiwi Islands called No Way Yurikapay about a, hunk, a crocodile who was trying to find someone to eat. And it's in English, but there's a lot of Tiwi words in there. And when I've read that in schools, for lots of um, middle-class white kids, it's they're the first Indigenous words that they've used. And I think, I mean, I guess we'll come to a stage where everyone will study an Indigenous language at school, but we've got a long way to go. But we just have to keep building those bridges, you know, so that there's a lot more sharing and a, and a lot more recognition of this rich culture, you know, that's just the longest surviving culture in the world that so many of us just don't even see, but has so, so much to offer. And part of your experience going out to these communities, it must be a very... I mean, you've been doing it for a while, but it must be a very different experience for you going out and seeing how the kids live. When we think about Indigenous literacy, it can feel like, especially the gap um, that has been trying to be closed for a long time, it can feel like an overwhelming problem. Do you think, um, I mean, this is a start with the books, but do we need to think differently about how we educate children in remote communities? Uh, I think you've really hit it on the head. I think um, so often, I, like there's some fabulous schools out in the bush, but I go to schools where there's people teaching there who are so ill-equipped to teach. You know, they've they've gone for the job and they've got it because no one else has gone for it and the pay is pretty good, but they have no idea about living in a remote community, no idea about um, 
indigenous culture and also they're not very good teachers where really this is where we need our very best teachers you know this is where we could be making a huge difference but and it's not even just in remote communities I think we should be having like fabulous preschools all over the country so all those kids who are disadvantaged can actually get the leg up they need so that when they get to school they can take off but getting back to remote communities, yeah, we need... There's, there's some places, like I know um, Gunbalanya and Arnhem Land have changed their school term, so now instead of having their big holiday um, at Christmas time, which for them is the wet season, and their town is really like an island, it's surrounded by floodwaters so no one can get out, they now have their big holiday in the middle of the dry season when everyone wants to get out of town and go hunting. So there's things like that that can really make a big difference, you know, maybe different school hours, different different ways of being in school, you know, that you're not actually sitting in a classroom all the time. And I think in little bits and pieces those things are happening in more independent communities, but it's going to be quite a long haul. So what do you think parents at home who may not have any contact with remote communities, what do you think they can do to help with Indigenous Literacy Day? Um, Well, I guess the first thing is to go online to the um, ILF website. I think it's ilf.org. And you can be part of the Great Book Swap where you can um, go somewhere and swap a, a book for a dollar coin or you can donate. But um, And also just, I think, keeping up, maybe signing up for the newsletter so you hear what's going on so you can talk about it to people and, and share the knowledge and just yeah tell people what's happening. That seems to be the really big thing, to get people talking about what's going on in these schools and the great job the ILF is doing. Alison, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That was author Alison Lester. And for more information, we'll pop a link up to the ILF on our website later this afternoon. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.